Well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit uh, out of Matthew 21, verse 12 through 17. I want to read this story. And this is a story when Jesus came to the temple to cleanse the temple. That's what he did. And so I want to talk to you about when the Lord comes. Um, and you can apply this to your uh, life on a very personal, individual level, or you can apply it to your, your family, or you can apply it to the church, your local church. Um, but the Lord does come at different times. And this is a picture of the Lord coming. And this is a picture of what happens when the Lord comes. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about that because I believe the, uh, is the Lord's doing this right now. Um, so Matthew 21, verse, starting in verse 12. Drew will get you up there in a second. All right, it says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. And I just want to point out what it said. Jesus went into the temple of who? Of God. And that's important for us to understand that, about it, who it belongs to. Uh, it's the temple of God. And, he, and here's, the, here's the Lord himself coming into this temple. It says, He overturned the tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And if you go back and study the origin of the money changers and the people who sold up, it did not start out to be a bad thing. It started out, you know, in the Old Covenant, they had to make certain sacrifices to the Lord. And so what they tried to do was help the people, especially people who were traveling from a long ways off, to help them, you know, by having the stuff there, having the doves there, having the, you know, the temple money there, all the things they needed. So it started out in somebody's heart to help the people. But somewhere along the line, it really got into, got, it, it turned bad. And the Lord, so the Lord came and he began to deal with something that start, maybe started well but ended bad. And he said to them, it's written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Uh, you know, there's a lot has to do with people's heart attitude about something. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And I bet you, Again, there's no, I can't prove this one. You can't even prove it biblically or historically even, but I bet you the blind and the lame were not going to the temple at that point in time. In fact, they were probably not even welcome there. Uh, but when they found out the Lord was in the temple, they came. And, and, and the Lord met them there. And see, the Lord really wants to meet people. You know, what a shame in the church. That, you know, the church has to resort to gimmicks to, to get people to come. You know, it's just really tragic, really. It's tragic because the Lord wants to meet people's needs. He don't want just to make them happy or comfortable. He really wants to, he wants to help them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you, ever, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? And then the, the sad part of this verse, then he left them and went to the city of Bethany and he lodged there. He, you know, he visited and he left and he went somewhere else and lodged. So it's really sort of a, a picture when the Lord starts moving and, and what happens. You see, what, what we really need to see is the Lord, He came in and He began to rearrange and throw things out. He begins to come in. He, there's a confrontation when the Lord comes. There's a confrontation that will happen. And God will begin to confront us in our hearts. And that's really what the Lord's been doing, I believe. He's, there's a confrontation that He wants to do. And he, he wants to get the things out of us. Uh, 
in order for the river to flow, unhindered. He wants to bring the river into us. It's in us. He wants to release it. He wants to remove the hindrances so the river can not only flow in us, it can flow out of us. So he, he comes in and he begins to confront and throw things out. And it's, and it's like what the Lord is trying to get us to do, to see, to think like he thinks. To get us to see, this is this to think like I think. I don't think like you think. And and really, the powerful thing about the Lord doing this is a preparation for more fruit. It's a preparation for the power of God, because it says in verse 14, "Then the blind and lame came." Once the Lord begins to 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 uh, to deal with His temple, to to throw things out, then the power of God can really be released in our lives. But we have to allow this confrontation to happen. And earlier in in the first service. Um, Doug Murdoch prayed for me, and this is what he said. He said, "I see the Lord." He said, "You ever seen those boats that dredge out rivers down in, down in the Wilmington area? There's these big old dredges, and, um, and I, yeah, I've seen. That's what I see the Lord doing in your heart right now. He's dredging your heart, getting rid of the stuff in your heart where the river can flow in you. Well, really, it's like, how did Doug know that? <laughs> you know, because." That is exactly what the Lord's been doing in my life. He has been dealing with me. He has been confronting me about things in my life. I have, as shared earlier, I've come into this church every, every Sunday for the last month or so and walked in that back door and got three or four steps in here and I feel this immediate confrontation come into my heart where I felt challenged by the Lord. And the Lord, I knew the Lord was confronting me. I knew the Lord was going after my heart. And there were things in my heart that the Lord wanted out. There's things, things in me that God does not want because He knows it hinders the flow of His life through me. Are you good? So far, y'all are just sitting there looking at me badly, badly. <laughs> well, Acts 3.19, uh, and we'll, I'm going to uh, sort of expound on that. I'm going to expound on this one thing that happened here when Jesus came in the temple. There's a lot more that happens there, but this is the one thing. Because, see, we need to see when the Lord comes and the Lord begins to move, it's not just about coming and having a, a wonderful, uh, happy time at church. You know what I'm saying? A, a great time at church. Although we must, must tell you this, we like having a wonderful, great time at church. We like for the church to be a happy place. We like for the church to be a place of, of testimonies of victory. We want that. We want the church to be joyful. We don't want it to be, be you know, a place of, of con- continual mourning. No, there's a place for continual mourning, but we want it to be like that. But we also know that there's more to it. There's more to uh, what God's doing right now. There's more to it than what we're seeing. There's more. God is saying there's more. There's more I'm at work at. Therefore, you need to submit yourself to what I'm doing. So it says this in Acts 3.19. It says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Uh, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And, you know, if you study uh, revivals, they have these people who write down all these things about signs of revival. All people, I don't care, I mean, who are Christians, no matter what view they come from, uh, you know, whether it's a spirit-filled view or Pentecostal view or evangelical view, they all say this one thing. I found this one thing they do agree on. When the Lord moves, there's a sense of God's presence. Okay? There's a sense of God's presence that wasn't there before. So that's what it's talking about. So there are things in our lives, it's talking about here, that God wants to deal with. God wants to confront 
in our lives, okay, so there can be a move of God in our life, okay? So he brings a move, he brings his presence, but part of his brain is to confront us, is to confront us. And uh, I wanted to read Hebrews 12.1, and we'll go back to 3.19, but 12.1 sort of gives you a better, more of a clearer view. It's not just sin that we're talking about. It's not just sin. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by great, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. It's not talking about a sin here. It's talking about weights. It's talking about things in your life that's weighing you down. Uh, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You can't run a race if your feet are tangled up in sin. If you're constantly tripping over the same old crummy sin, always you can't, you will get nowhere, you keep falling down. You can't run a race if you're carrying 100 pounds of, of stuff on your back um, that's not supposed to be on your back. And it is not, and I'm, let me really emphasize to you, it's not saying, uh, I shared this story earlier, but this happened to me Friday night at the SOS meeting. This kid gets up and does, you know how musicians do, they'll welcome Holy Spirit, you know, start doing just off the words kind of music. Well, guess what? The Lord heard this boy's prayer, and the Holy Spirit came. And I was in the chair, and I could have literally had, I could have slinked down in that chair right onto the floor. I mean, because I was just like, it was like my whole body became mush. Okay, and, but this is what happened to me. And I really wanted to get on the floor and lay down. That's what I really wanted to do. But I thought, man, if I do, I'll be the only person in here. And I'll feel so stupid. You know, I just, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm resisting that. But right in the middle of all that, the Lord spoke to me and said to me this. He said, you need to quit being a jerk. <laughs> and when he said that, I saw all these pictures of situations I'd gotten in with people where people had done something and some of it, they had wrong. They were really wrong what they did. But my attitude towards him got so rotten. You know, and really, I had really made some bad choices because I was being such a bad, had such a bad attitude. And I don't feel like the Lord was telling me I was in sin. He was just saying, your attitude is wrong. That's a weight. That was a weight in my life the Lord was confronting me. And I had to say, Lord, it's the truth. And I had to go through a list of people that I was just frustrated with. And I'm not talking about frustrating a good way. I'm just, it, it, it turned into this bad attitude towards him. But they could, the way it could be anything. It could be anxiety. It could be worry. Whatever it is, whatever is in your life, the Lord's going to confront you. It could be, uh, you know, and I don't want to harp on it too much, but, but when people have manifestations when the Lord touches them, it's just so despised in the church, that kind of stuff is. People despise it. And it's just like, that's the Lord confronting you. Don't you know the Lord confronts you when you despise something? When you despise, like you hear these testimonies of, you know, I'm going to raise this one little hand up, you know. You know they, everybody thinks that's, well, that way. everybody raises her hand. What's wrong with you? No, for her, that's a big deal. And the Lord was dealing with her. Why should we despise when the Lord touches people? And if they, well, it's just emotionalism. But you see, that doesn't really matter. It really doesn't matter. Why should we limit God where God doesn't limit himself? God never limits people from expressing himself if he's touched them. He just doesn't do it. It's not in the Bible. So the Lord doesn't want us to, to have that. But I think that's something that confronts all of us. I've been, I've despised stuff. I thought, man, that's ridiculous. Why do I have to act like that? Good gosh, you know, can't they act sane and more orderly, you know? But you know what? That's been a conf confrontation in my heart. But there's a bigger confrontation. 
The confrontation, the big confrontation is something that's going on inside of me. The things in me that God's going after. I even had the Lord tell me this. This was really when he, right when he first started really moving. Is I feel like the Lord, it's like the Lord came and broke something inside of me. Okay? And I was just all weepy and, we, you know, just sort of like this broken, weepy. I couldn't even talk to people without starting to cry. But this is what the Lord said to me. He said, don't try to fix yourself. Don't fix yourself. Okay, that's what he said to me. Don't fix you. I've broken you, and I don't want you fixing yourself. Because this is the truth. I know how to fix things. I can fix myself because I know, you know, the Lord's taught me some things how to fix people. Okay, so I can apply those same things to myself. But the Lord said, don't do it, Byron. You need to stay. You need to stay broke. You need to stay, stay a broken person. So I don't always feel the emotions of it. And I don't like being like that. I like to be good and I'm good to go and I'm strong and I can get up here and do all this crazy stuff. And he would say, no, you can't. No, you can't. You need to be weak. You need to be weak. You need to be broken on the inside. Don't, you, don't fix yourself. So I don't always feel the emotions about that. But, you know, I got through the, you know, the emotions went away and then a week ago they came back. I go, oh, gosh, here we go again. <laughs> I got to feel all this stuff again. So whatever your weight is this morning, maybe it's a sin in your life. God's going to confront. He's going to confront sin. Maybe it's something else. Only you and God can answer that question. It's a weight, maybe. Maybe it's a distraction. Maybe it's something from the world. Maybe it's your dignity. You need to allow the Lord to deal with you and confront you about that. Okay, inward burdens, outward burdens. So I want to go back to the Acts 3.19. I just wanted to share that with you to get you to see what I'm trying to say to you because this is a big part of a Holy Spirit move is that. It's not just outward, you know, people having blessings that seem outward. This is a big blessing, but this is important. I looked at those, that phrase, that times of refreshing. I looked up that phrase to really un, try to understand that. Uh, so when, if, the, if we will respond to when the Holy Spirit comes to our temple, to our church, to ourselves, then this is what the Lord will do. He'll bring us these times. And this is what the word times means there in that, in that verse. It means a strategic, significant period. A strategic, significant period. And I'm adding to it, for God to move by His Spirit. So there's these significant, uh, Strategic, and that word just wears me out for some reason. Strategic, significant periods. Let me just share a strategic, significant period that is going on to this day. It happened in the first real revival in America. It was what they call the Great Awakening. And because there was a Great Awakening, there was a revolutionary war in America. And because there was a revolutionary war, there was democracy that was established in America. And because it was established, democracy was established in America, today every nation on the face of the planet that has democracy in it has that democracy because of the Great Awakening. Now you think about it for a minute. The Great Awakening was a, a move of God that was, was repulsed and talked down on. It was full of crazy, insane, out-of-order things. Yet democracy is an outcome of the Great Awakening democracy today. Now that was a strategic move of God. And what we don't realize, when God begins to move, if we reject that move of God, what we're doing, we're rejecting the very thing that can change our lives, can affect our children, can affect our grandchildren and the generations to come. It's the truth. You go back and look at Jonathan Edwards, who was the, and people's done this for some reason, but I'm glad they did it. His uh, family line that came out of him 
They compared Jonathan Edwards to some other bad guy and looked at their family line. And Jonathan Edwards' ancestors, it is full of doctors, it is full of lawyers, it's full of preachers, it's full of, of, of business people who have all contributed something to this society. Okay, and it's because Jonathan Edwards allowed the Lord to move in his life and God blessed his seed because God promised us he would bless our seed if we'd choose life. That's what it says in Deuteronomy. Choose life. Choose life for yourself. Choose life for your family. Choose life for your future generations. This other dude who didn't choose life, his family line is a bunch of perverts, a bunch of robbers, a bunch of thieves, a bunch of, bunch of people that have done nothing but hurt society. So what I'm telling you today, when God begins to move, the worst thing you could ever do is reject God moving. Because you're not only rejecting it for yourself, you're rejecting it for your family. And that's the truth. And you've got to see that. If you can't do it for yourself, do it for your family. Do it for your children. Do it for your grandchildren. And that's one of the reasons I feel like for me, Lord, I will fight for this because I will fight for my family. I will fight for my grandchildren. Because I want them to be touched by the Lord. Amen. I want my seed, my heritage, my future generations, however long the Lord tarries, to be blessed by God, to be touched by God. And that's our choice. Yeah. That's our choice. So that's, that's, that's a strategic, significant period. And God wants to bring... There's other things that God wants to do. I mean, I could list like many things that happen. I told you last week about the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. That school came out of the Great Awakening. The first year that school was staffed by Presbyterian pastors. And this is back when Presbyterians were on fire for God, teaching people. The University of Pennsylvania, George Whitfield, started that school. These are people who came out of the Great Awakening. Society can be changed. Society can be changed by a move of God. Society can be changed by a move of God. Yet we find that how God does many times is God comes, just like we sang this morning, the man who, the blind man, the Lord is passing by. The blind man was sitting there. He heard this noise. What, what is it? Was well, Jesus of Nazareth? I'm sure he had heard all these stories about Jesus of Nazareth. But this man was blind. This man was needy, and because he was blind and needy, he cried out to the Lord. He would not let. And they were. And of course, the noise, The people who were in charge. It says the people at the front of the line. That's what it literally talks about. The people who were leading this parade of Jesus headed to Jerusalem was telling this guy to shut up. Okay? The people at the head were telling this guy to shut up. Do you understand that? The people at the head, the people at the head were telling this guy to shut up. If you listen to your mind, it is going to tell you to shut up. You cannot listen to your mind. You have to listen to your heart because your mind is meant to serve. And this is what I share. I share. I want to say it to you one more time because I really believe this. I believe one of the problems that America has with all the depression and mental illness is because we've elevated our mind to be the master. And the mind is not meant to be the master. The mind is meant to be the servant. And sooner or later it starts wearing the mind out because it's doing something it's not meant to do. You see what I'm saying? And consequently our mind is beat. Many Christians listen to their mind. They don't listen to their heart first. You've got you to gotta say to the mind, mind, you're wonderful. Mind, you're great. But mind, you're the servant. Mind, you're the servant. You're the servant. You're not the master. And when you submit your mind and allow your mind to serve you, your mind's going to work right. It's going to be healthy. See, we pray for Drew this morning. We pray, Lord, restoration in the Bible means it was better. So we want you to be smarter in your intellect. We're not discounting intellect. But we're saying intellect's to serve. You see what I'm saying? 
And so that's really, I don't know why I'm saying that to you, but I, I think that's right, man. I think that's the Lord. I mean, the Lord wants us to hear that over and over. But, you know, one thing I told the kids at CSC, kids, that some kids are older than me in there, but anyway, they're students. The students is study revival. Study revival. You will find out what God has done in past revivals. This is anything that we see God doing here is nothing compared to how He moved in different places. Nothing in some of these revivals. This is minor stuff. God wants to move in the earth. He wants to move in our nation. In fact, I'll tell you one more thing that I read recently. Uh, James Robertson. Y'all ever heard of James Robertson? He's a Christian guy. He has a television show. I mean, he's you know pretty. You know, he's, he's spoken with different presidents. I mean, he's a credible guy. Well, he had a vision. And the vision he kept seeing was major population centers of our nation that were in, under great suffering and great destruction. And he felt like it was from either nuclear or biological weapons that had been launched against this nation. And he had it over and over. And he was saying this, Listen, I don't think this is God's heart for us. I don't think it's God's heart for us. But there's a plan to destroy this nation. And since I began to study our, the nation's roots of, of revival, the roots of what God established this nation for, it's like there's no way that can happen. There's no way that we should throw away this heritage that God has given us. That we have to stand up and say, that shall not happen to this nation. We're going to let the Lord move. We're going to let the Lord reinvigorate us, renew us, and stand against whatever the enemy has planned for this nation. Because it has been prophesied by certain prophets like uh, Bob Jones, if you let it happen, it's going to happen. If you let it happen, me and you, the Christians, okay? When the Great Awakening, the first Great Awakening happened, it says this nation was, in, was, was falling apart. It was a young nation. It really wasn't even a nation. It was just a bunch of colonies. And it was falling apart. It was falling apart. And they said it was the watershed event for this nation that affects it to this day. So that's why we have to contend for these things. That's why when we hear the Lord, we have to be like Moses. Moses was like this, okay? Moses was in the desert. In the desert, bushes catch on fire in hot places. That's a regular occurrence, okay? But one thing was not a regular occurrence is a bush catching on fire and not burning up. And Moses saw that bush and stopped what he was doing. And says, I'm going to take note of this. I'm going to look at this. I'm going to focus on this. He stopped what he was doing. And see, what God is trying to do is He's trying to get people's attention. But just like everything else, the Lord walked on water. He would have walked right by them. He was there for them if they would reach out to Him. It's like that's how He works. He'll walk through a place. He'll walk through a church. He'll walk through our hearts. And He won't stop unless we say, Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, help me. Please don't pass me by. I'm going for you. I'm grabbing at you. That's just the way He works. I wish He didn't. I wish He'd come grab you and slap you around, hold you down. You know, There's a river up here. I wish Jesus would come grab me and just body slam me into it. He just don't typically do that. He offers it to us. And we have to make a choice. That's what He's always done. And if you don't want it, it's like He don't make you. Now, He gives you other chances, but I don't know, man. Anyways, I wanted to read what that word refreshing says. Times is a strategic significant period. So we can have a strategic significant period that will affect us the rest of our lives. 
affect our future generations. We can have that. I believe the Lord's offering it to us. Okay, and then there's this refreshing. Refreshing, here's what the, all that means. It means to draw breath again. Yeah, it feels good, doesn't it, to be able to draw breath again. You know, just, oh man, I just need a breath. Have you ever been prayed for? And it's like something was on you, and you weren't conscious of that. You were living your life. You didn't know it was there, but they prayed for it, and all of a sudden you, you feel like you, oh man, I feel like I can breathe again. Have you ever had that experience? It's like something got broke off of you that you really didn't know was on you. You know, and so we're walking around with all this thing, stuff that's been put on us. And the better draw breath for you to revive by fresh air. To revive by fresh air. You ever been in a place that the air was stale? Just stale. I mean, churches that got stale. They didn't mean to get stale, but it was stale. You know? Your life can get stale, but it means to revive. It give you fresh air. To cool or refresh with a breath. To regain strength. To regain strength. Restoration. And like I said, in the Bible, the word for restoration, it means better than it was when you started. That's what the Lord wants to do. So this is my paraphrase of Acts uh, 3.19. If we will respond to the Holy Spirit when He comes to our temple by repenting and laying aside weights um, in our lives and in our church, it will create a strategic, significant period of time for God to breathe or blow on us again to revive us with fresh breath, to restore us, to give us new strength, to enable us to draw breath again. That's what the Lord wants to do. So you see what happens is the Lord comes. He comes by. And it quickens you. It excites you. But He can just keep on marching. You know, He can keep on marching if you, if you let Him. But if you cry out to Him, if you say, No, you're not going. No, Lord, please, Lord. Lord, I need you, Lord. I need you. I need you. Then the Lord will bring that times of refreshing in your life. The church will embrace that. He'll bring that times of refreshing. No, Lord, please don't just... We don't want to just have a good Sunday here and there. We don't want to just have a nice time here. Lord, we want you to come here. So um, when he begins to confront you in your heart, see, that's the thing. You have to settle the confrontation thing. You have to let him confront you. It's part of it. You've got to let him confront you. You just have to let him do it. However he does it with you, I mean, I mean, he does it with me different from you, but you've got to let him do it. Lord, I'm confronted. Good. It means I'm here. I'm, I feel confronted. I man, I'm just aggravated. Lord, what is this? Why does every time I walk in this building I feel confronted with the Lord? Why do I feel challenged? Because I'm here. And when I come, I confront and challenge. And you've got to decide what you're going to do with it. You're going to submit and... Lay down, or are you going to fight? Mm, probably try to fight. Uh, no, I'm not going to fight, Lord. I'm an automatic fighter. Hey, I'm an automatic fighter. When I was a kid, I was real skinny, and so somebody told me, Byron, here's what you got to do. You, you Watch a bantam rooster. You know what a bantam rooster is? a little rooster. You throw that rooster in there for pen, uh, chicken pen with a big rooster. You know what that bantam rooster does? He goes and jumps on that big rooster and beats him up, beats the fire out of him because he jumps and he don't wait to get jumped. He does it. So that was sort of my way in life. I'm a, I'm a Bantam rooster. i got to fight for I got to make the, you know, the first strike. So I'm going to do the first strike. I'm going all out. I mean, I'm not stopping. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get them before they can get me. So I live my life like that, you know. And really what it is, the Lord puts the warrior spirits in people, you know, but he wants to control the warrior spirit. So, you know, don't fight the Lord. <laughs> Don't jump on him. 
So but here's the thing. In verse 15 on that, it says, I'm going to read that to you one more time, if I can find it, one more time. It says, um, it says, they were indignant. They were indignant. When they saw, the, the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things he did, it says they were indignant. They were offended at the Lord. It just, you know, and that's just the way we are. We're offended at the Lord. We get indignant at the Lord. I mean, really, there's people in this room, and you're mad at God. You're offended at Him. And, that's, and then the sad thing, it says, He left them. The Lord, if, you have, if you're carrying all this offense in you, you know what? The Lord is not going, it's not that the Lord's going to uh, you know, forsake you, but His presence will pull back from you. It's the sense of Him walking on by. You know what I'm saying? So when you feel this confidence, when you feel offended, you really have to deal with it. Or the Lord's not going to keep going. And you're going to sit back here messed up, mad, wondering, you know, why is your life miserable? And the wonderful things is the Lord was cleansing people. You know, Josh shared about the Lord cleansing him of drug addiction. He didn't say it, but the guy has been struggling with bad drugs in his life. And somebody prayed for him, and the Lord helped him. I mean, and people get offended about, you know, somebody act like a fool when, or act like a fool when they're praying for him. And the guy gets touched, and the Lord takes something out of his heart that was in there. I mean, it's insane how we think when you really think about it. And you say, well, why can't he do it this, uh, another way? Well, I don't know why he can't. You sort of have to just go what he does. We don't get to tell him. You really don't. So it's a great tragedy when the Holy Spirit comes to us individually or the church and we get so offended that He withdraws His offer. You hear me? He withdraws His offer of times of refreshing. He withdraws His offer. And says, well, I'll go to the, I'll go to the family next door. I'll go to the church down the street. doesn't mean He won't come back and offer it again because he's, you know, he likes us a lot and wants to help us. But you know, it may not be. It may be some years from now. Who knows? So um, that's really the end of my message, and I wanted to share just a couple other things. This is sort of like the, the... Jonathan Edwards said this. I keep referring to Jonathan Edwards. I'm sorry if I am, but if you don't know, Jonathan Edwards was the pastor who's been called America's greatest theologian. That's what they say about Jonathan Edwards. And Jonathan Edwards was the pastor of the church for the Great Awakening started and developed the whole theology on revival, which I've told you this before. I'll tell you one more time because it makes me mad every time I think about it. It has been robbed from us. Robbed from us. You won't find it in a systematic theology, but it should be in there. We need to know how do you judge this? How do you deal with it? And he explained it all. He spoke at, the, at Yale University of all places. They were Christians back then. You know, He was the president of Princeton for a while until he became a guinea pig for a smallpox vaccination that killed him. <laughs> but he spoke at the graduation exercise of Yale University and his message to them, his message at, a, at Yale was to tell them, how do you determine about these manifestations if they're of God or not God? That's how powerful God was moving. And nobody at Yale would talk about something like that. They don't even want to talk about it in the church. They say, it's the devil. That's just automatic. See, it's been ripped off from us. But Jonathan Edwards, one of the things he said about revivals is revival needs leadership. They need men and women who can be godly leaders or it hurts the people. Okay? Which I'm thinking, Lord, 
man, you know, we think revival is just something God does. And it's true there's something God does, but God needs people to facilitate what He's doing. He needs people to preach the gospel. He needs people to take care of His stuff because He's given it to us to do. But anyway, here's one thing that I felt the Lord was showing me about Wednesday night. And it's be still and know that I'm the Lord. See, what we don't want to do is this. We do not want to assume that God is going to do the same thing over and over. You see what I'm saying? And here's what happened Wednesday night. Okay, and I'm just trying to give you some help to, so we can learn, because I think the Lord wants to teach us how to corporately discern the Holy Spirit. To corporately discern the Holy Spirit is it's the same old thing. I came in here and I really felt in my heart I wanted just to get on the floor and lay down and just bask and soak in God's presence. But my mind wouldn't let me because I was listening to my mind and it was telling me, no, if, if you do that, this person's just going to think you're trying, you know, just all this stuff. In the middle of all that, Becky got there and laid on the floor. I thought, well, now that she's done it, I can do it, you know. <laughs> so you see how your mind works. So I was laying there on this floor for a long time and it turned out piles of people were laying on the floor. It wasn't anybody prayed for one. They just felt to come and lay down and be in God's presence and let the presence of God set on them. Well, in the middle of that, I had this angelic thing to happen to me. About 17 years ago, I was jogging down, the, down this country road and was just sort of in the... If back in those days, I was jogging a lot, and I was sort of in the, in the groove, man. I was out in the country. There was no cars. I was basically running down the middle of a lane. I was in the zone. That was it. <laughs> and uh, there was this truck that came over this hill, and he was coming right at me. And that truck was probably going 80 or 90. He was flying. And he was coming at me. And that truck literally moved. Not turned, but moved from one side of the road to the other. If it didn't, I was going to die. He was going to run over me. And I'd be body parts slung from here to, to, you know, to South Carolina. But I saw, as it did that, I saw an angel sitting on the front of the truck. He was sitting on the front of the truck just like this. Okay. He was sitting there, and he had his feet on the bumper, and he had his hands like this. And he was big as the house. I mean, he was a big angel. His hands were probably that wide. His face was real wide. And I, just, and I saw him, and the truck went on by. And I knew the Lord, I knew that angel had saved my life. I knew he had moved that truck and kept me from getting killed. So, I mean, that was awesome. Yeah, thank you, Lord. I mean, I'm alive. That's a great thing. Well, I was laying on the floor, and I felt somebody's face at my face. Okay, that's what I felt. I felt this face, and I thought it was somebody, you know, that was going to pray for me or something. And I opened my eyes, and it was that same big-faced angel looking at me. I mean, just sitting there. He was just looking. I mean, all I saw was his face just sitting there looking at me. I opened my eyes. Just, just for a brief moment, I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. Nothing said. I mean, and then it was gone. Now, you know, in the Bible, the Bible's real clear. Uh, you know, in Acts they said when Peter, oh, it was his angel. They thought it was his angel when the Lord got him out of the jail. Uh, you know, so all good Jews knew that everybody has an angel. You know what I'm saying? Guardian angels that go with them. And, you know, when we die, you know, we'll probably see that angel. I figured that angel was a big angel because I was such a bantam rooster, you know. <laughs> he needed to be there for me to keep me from getting in fights with people that I shouldn't be fighting, <laughs> you know. But to this day, he saved my life. And I'll be honest with you. Wednesday night, I was going through a real difficult time. 
okay, in my heart about something else that happened to me that was, I was messed really bad messed up, probably as messed up as I've been in a long time. And I felt like that, the Lord was sending that angel, let me see that angel to help me, you know, to encourage me. But I just wanted to share that with you because, you know, it's great when you see angels, man. I mean, I'm wanting to see them all the time, and it's, it was just a blessing to see it. But here's what I want to say is, we need to allow the Lord to move the way God wants to move. We can't say, oh, well, last week, you know, we laid on the floor. This week, we're going to lay on the floor. That is not the way this deal works. We need to learn how to discern the Holy Spirit. And whatever the Holy Spirit's doing, we need to follow Him. Because we're always going to be frustrated in our hearts if the Holy Spirit is being quiet and we're being loud. And we're going to be frustrated in our heart if He's being loud and we're being quiet. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So what the Lord said to me, be still and know that I'm God. There's a time to be still, Byron. There's a time to get quiet. And since you're being still and knowing that I'm God, well, here, I'll let you see the angel. You know, <laughs> since you're obeying me, you know. But if he's not saying be still and know that I'm God, I need to be doing something else. You see what I'm saying? The key for us is to learn how, if we really want the Lord to move, is to discern it to learn how to discern it. And the Lord's merciful. The Lord will give you grace to discern what He's doing. But we have to give ourselves that opportunity to do that. Is everybody clear on that? So what we need to ask the Lord to do is, Lord, we want to learn how to corporately, not just individually, but corporately discern what the Holy Spirit's doing and go with that. Whatever that is, let's go with that. And it's just, it'll be beautiful. And Becky even had a dream recently where she, this is what she said to me. In this dream, the Lord was invading the worship team. Okay? In other words, I mean, the worship team's always had an anointing on them. I think. I mean, it's been great. But see, there's something else that God wants to do. The Lord wants to invade preachers. He wants to invade people who just are you know, part of what's going on. He also wants to invade worship teams. I mean, can you imagine the Lord invading a worship team? In other words, the Lord comes. It's not just they have this anointing. Suddenly there's something, and I don't know what it is. The river. It's the river flowing through them. Isn't that right? So I'm just telling you all this to encourage you to kind of like, you know, we need to really, let's go with God, with what God's doing. Let's learn. But first, what I'm asking you this morning, this is it. God is wanting to confront you. God probably has been confronting many people because the confrontation is this. There's things in your life that's keeping the river from flowing through you. And ultimately what God wants us to do is to take that river wherever we go because there's a hopeless world out there. There are really serious, hopeless people. And God really wants to be able to bring people into the church like Kenny. Kenny told me he came here for healing today. The guy we prayed for back there sitting beside Terry Manning. I mean, if you're ate up with cancer, baby, your, your pride really hits the ground pretty quick. I mean, you know, like, who cares? I'll do whatever. You know, you want me to crawl? I'll crawl. <laughs> you know? And that's what the church needs. It needs to be a place where people say, well, the Lord's there. Let's go there and get what God's got for us. And it's really the truth. So, I don't, yeah. <laughs> so what I'm asking you this morning, is the Lord confronting you? Do you feel confronted in your heart? Yeah, share that again, Doug. That'd be good. I don't know where the thing's at.
this morning when I got up out of bed, I did my normal thing. I go in the kitchen and put some water on for my tea, and I go and do some stretching. And um, while I was laying there on the floor stretching, the Lord, in about 30 seconds, He brought up, just passed through my mind, probably a dozen things from my childhood, from the time I was maybe 5 to 10 or 12 years old. And um, these are things that the Lord is showing me, wanting me to deal with, you know. And so then this morning when I came and I, I had that vision about the dredge uh, when I was praying for Byron, I realized that that's what the Lord was doing to me this morning. And it's, it's not something that I was stirring up in me. It wasn't something that I was digging for. It's something that the Lord was doing. It was a work that He was doing in me. And He was showing me these things so that I could get rid of them. You know, if you've seen the dredge out there on the coast, they're twice the size as this building. And they suck all the silt and garbage and stuff out of the, out of the um, canal, out of the channels, and they blow it off to the side. Four or five hundred yards, they blow this stuff off to the side. And that's what the Lord is doing. He's doing the work. He's coming and revealing those things so that we can get rid of them so that the river of God can flow freely in our lives. Okay? Interesting enough, this morning Doug shared that with the first service and Anne came up to me for prayer this morning after the first service and... I was praying for her, and the Lord had me start praying for the spirit of adoption to come on her. And this was really wild. I started praying for her, and then all of a sudden that spirit of adoption hit me. I was sharing with her a memory of my childhood. (laughs) This is just wild. And I mean, it blasted me on the floor. I just wept like a little baby girl of some stuff that happened in my childhood. So this is definitely the Lord. He is... He's dredging us out. I mean, and it's a good thing. It's just such a wonderful thing. And um, and we really want the Lord to touch us. I mean, it's really... Um, Sarah's got something to... This is how you know the Lord's moving when people are just lined up wanting to say stuff too. <laughs> just because you're talking about the childlike. And while we were sitting here, while you were, pre- while you were speaking, you were sharing about this, the um, scripture where he says, the children cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. I realized... Right before that, in that scripture, is when Jesus was coming in and all the adults, it says the multitudes were, who went before and those who followed cried out, Hosanna to the Son of David. The multitudes were. They were crying out, to Hosanna to the, to the Son of David. But then it was like Jesus went in and was, was confronting them. You know, and who was it? The priests and everybody were getting offended, but the children still cried out and said, Hosanna to the Son of David. And really, we do, there is a childlikeness because our, our adultness wants to get offended and kind of look at everything the Lord's doing and go, Oh my goodness, this is, this is offending me. This is, you know, I don't know what to do with this, but the childlike heart says, you are the Son of God. You are Hosanna. You are the Son of David. You are who you are no matter what it is you're wanting to do. You know, and so we can know that we can trust that He is who He is. And He wants to do this and there's a reason and there's a purpose and there's somewhere He's taken us and we need to trust in Him and not 
you know, pull back in, in a way, but press in with the truth that He is Hosanna, Son of David. Don't pass me by. You want to say something? I was just going to pray for people. You got something? Okay. Um, and Heather Kelson, she's really just, she gave me, oh, this isn't this something else. I've got her stuff going on. Yeah, real quick. Um, basically, um, at the beginning of August, I found out we were having another baby. And a few weeks later, the Lord gave us a name for our baby. And um, it pretty much like made us go, what? But the Lord gave us River Jordan for this next baby, no matter if it's a girl or a boy. And uh, River uh, represents his spirit, so it's ever-changing, ever-moving. And Jordan means to flow down. And um, and then everything started happening about the river. <laughs> you know, we were like, whoo! So it definitely confirmed it. But uh, I started asking the Lord, why do you want to name our baby River Jordan? Why? And the Lord says, because it's going to be a significant marker for this movement of God. The Lord wants to mark this time period of what the Lord is doing. And so I just wanted to say, this is the Lord. The Lord wants to mark it. So. Amen. Okay, we, we got somebody else coming. <laughs> Amen. And this is, what's your name, sir? Uh, as everybody knows, this is my first time in your wonderful place of worship. And uh, what y'all provided me today, it's un- I cannot thank you enough. And uh, it's uh, kind of ironic that the uh, sermon today was uh, with the children. Because uh, when I was on the floor there and... Uh, I, I felt the presence of God from the beginning. However, when those children were around me, it was uh, a feeling I can't describe. And uh, actually toward the end there, I, was, I looked up. I knew they were all children, and I kind of looked up a little bit before, but that last time that I looked up, I looked to my left, and I didn't see children. I saw angels. And I turned to the right and I saw children. The angels were only there for a moment for me to see. And I looked back to the left and I saw the children. And then a couple of them uh, witnessed to me uh, at the very end there that God had spoken to them and that uh, I was going to be all right. Let's um, let's get in the river. <laughs> let's just get in. The possibilities are limitless in the river of God. They really are. There's nothing impossible. And that the river is His Spirit flowing. That's really what. There's a river flowing from the throne of God. The Book of Revelation talks about that river, and that's that river that's flowing right now. So let's just get in. Let's just put our pride down. Get in the river cry out like children you know cry out son of david don't pass us by your mind doesn't have to know everything that's going on but your spirit is soaking it up like a sponge so amen